Oh, okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Lost Explorers. Big episode. We have a guest today. Chris, I will let you take this away. Well, this is episode 175. This has been an adventure that has extended over years now. And David and I are very grateful for our listenership and support. We uh, did not expect and yet we feel we deserve this support over this time. We have a very, very special guest tonight to discuss education in America. A big package to unpack. Uh, Lisa Sazati is a wonderful, wonderful career professional elementary school teacher. She did her undergraduate work at the University of Washington, her graduate work at Arizona State University. She has been associated for a very long time with a very highly regarded, but nonetheless, very straightforward public school in North Seattle, elementary. Uh, she has taught at many levels. She's currently a third grade teacher. I have personally witnessed her approach to art education, her curriculum approach to science reading and literary expression and to cultural studies. And I think that whenever she finally retires, her school, her school district and the profession of education will lose someone of enormous capability in the classroom. And we need to really listen to these professionals before they just simply fade off into the well-deserved retirement <laughs> that I hope awaits them. But we need to unpack education. We all know that education is the engine room of, of a culture. And we know that education is under great stress in America. So Lisa represents the elementary school grade levels. David is teaching at the high school grade levels. And I am teaching or trying, and I really emphasize trying, <laughs> to teach at the public university levels. We are not dealing with private school situations. We are not uh, elitist educationists at all. We are struggling with the baseline issues that face America today. And I think we're trying to put some pieces together in, in terms of a puzzle for parents, for students, for fellow teachers, and for future generations, because education is really, as the politicians say, the basis of the future. Well, let's just see about what happens there. So we've got a lot to talk about tonight. And I'm going to let um, David, who is our sheepdog and navigation expert, that everyone, every ship needs a navigation leader. And I'm going to let him interact with Lisa, who I is one of the finest professionals in education I've dealt with. And I, I actually... I'm very fortunate. I've had some great teachers across my life. I went to Dartmouth. I went to the University of Washington with some major writing people there. 
So I'm going to sit back a little bit there, but let's get started with support for our wonderful guest and what she thinks is the most important issue in education today right now. Yeah, on the spot. (laughs) Really? The most important issue. I thought David got to lead us on this journey. Why <laughs> See, did, why, why did you... <laughs> this is why this is why I think Lisa is such a good teacher of literacy and critical thinking because that <laughs> that deflection was very judo like. We admire that. We admire that. I was okay. all ready to listen to David, and then suddenly, yeah, yeah. Well, I I need a minute to think. So, David. Okay, if we need a minute to think. That is totally cool because I have a ton of questions. I am fascinated by the level of planning and control that must be necessary to deal with a room full of third graders. I can only imagine because freshmen terrify me. So uh, the younger they get, especially after COVID, I mean, it's got to be something very interesting. Um, I think then... We need some time to cook. We have some questions coming up, like uh, Chris posed, what what do we think we're doing? I like What that. are we actually doing? And yeah. that's a big question. Mm-hmm. But the way that we normally start the show is that Chris gives us his aphorism and his band. So why don't we let that play out? We'll run that in the background, and then we'll come back to it after awesome. he does that and then uh, hands me my imaginative challenge for the day. Chris. Okay. Okay, well, the band is called The Happy Accidents. And they are a band that really is driven by AI. AI is the big thing today, right? They're a synchronicity band who have secured funding from the likes of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. And they have recording kiosks around the world that allow people to participate in an ongoing musical mosaic that challenges the idea of randomness. People can scream hate speech or whatever. It's modified into a musical framework. So nothing is, it's all music. It's all sound that is beyond just vocalization. And the project is called Be Here Now. And they do have the support of some very wealthy people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. And every hour in Times Square and in Piccadilly Circus in London, a presentation of what the world view is musically comes forward. And then it moves on. There is no final record. There's no final sound. There's no hit song. There's no Taylor Swift moment. It's an ongoing collage project. And I honestly believe this is where the future of music and popular culture is headed. So I think that's a cool idea. The happy accidents, they're driven by, I think AI is something that may figure into our conversations coming up. But I think that that there is some real hope for what that might do to change our sense of time, tempo, and and community involvement and just open up any number of doors. And that leads to my my aphorism. And I have two of them, and they're both questions. Mm. 
What if every moment had to wait its turn? You know, we're so committed to the idea of temporality and time and sequence. And yet we also think we can just jump around in our minds back to when we were 18 and jump around and jump around. And, and we don't actually feel the moments until we go to the doctor's office. And then the moments seem to add up. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we've got to have some surgery here that we didn't need when we were 16. So we have a confusion about the nature of time, I think. What if every moment had to wait its turn in all of existence? And my second question, I think, is more socially directed, uh, my aphorism, and I think really does figure into the notion of, of some of the discussions we're going to have. If someone were totally alone, and many people are alone today, whether, you know, they're not in Antarctica, you know, all actually all the people in Antarctica in order to survive are not alone by definition, <laughs> you know, it's the people in some tragic apartments in New York or anywhere in America or anywhere. There, there are a lot of people who certainly feel alone. If someone were totally alone, would they be sane? And I think this is a question about the nature of sanity and how we define that in social terms, which has a lot to do with the nature of education. And I think some of the discussions we're, we're you know, we're, we're going to have that sanity is, is always defined in terms of knowing the difference between right and wrong, you know? And so at least the stage, you know, it's really about like, not don't beat someone up, you know, and, and don't mess up the bathroom and be kind and be, you know, be just a decent, you know, before a lot of the, the wonderful academic learning work that we all want to get to, it's all about socialization and learning how to behave. And sanity is really, I've just reviewed this, sanity is entirely a legal definition. It's not a psychological definition. It's huh. about behavior that is acceptable. And I don't think that's a really great framework for our whole culture to be working from. Uh, I think it's very problematic. Um, and finally, and this is an imaginative challenge. Lisa, normally David is assigned an imaginative challenge, which he has to run in the background while this whole discussion is going on. And this is part of my educational theory is that you give people some games and programs to run secretly and it just it it reinforces the strength of their mind. This is a little bit more serious this time and you're welcome to participate in this and I think you ha you'll have some ideas because I have I think I have privately spoken maybe a little bit about this. But I have a student who is, in my view, a natural C student in life. And I don't mean any criticism in that. 
But I do think that is a, 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 I think that's a professional assessment that I will stand by. I don't think that she has a great deal to offer beyond a certain level, but I think she has a great deal to offer if she were advised properly. She's currently being advised that she can be a surgeon. Yeah. And I would just like to report that currently 60% of people who are admitted to medical school drop out. And of the people who graduate from medical school, 30% will never, ever see patients or practice medicine in any way that we know. They will go into other sort of fields. This is not an individual who is capable of practicing medicine at the MD level. And yet she's being advised that this is a possibility for her. So I'm asking you both, this is, Lisa, please feel free to join in this imaginative challenge, which is a little bit more serious than our normal ones are, but I think it's very important. Um, what would you say to someone who's being advised that they can be so much more capable than their performance is at any level. And I did, by the way, uh, find out something about her scores in terms of biology. And she's just simply not, she's not doing well in any level. She's just not doing well at any level. And it, it is ridiculous I mean, I think she could be a very fine receptionist at a really good medical clinic. Honestly, <laughs> I hate to say that. That sounds very condescending. I know. And there are racial implications here. Uh, and I'm, I'm well aware of that. But I nevertheless support my perspective that the idea that she could be an actual surgeon saving lives is absolutely unconscionable. So what do you do with there? So that's my imaginative challenge for you both. And Lisa, you're really welcome to contribute into this. This is, I think, something very, you face this all the time. I, I would say to our listeners that in addition to Lisa's ex professional day-to-day -day experience with elementary school children she's dealing with a lot of people who are well they're teenagers they're young adults they're trying to be adults uh it's not just a, a one-off thing she is a mom of two kids uh she's involved in the community it isn't just third graders it, it's a broader picture and i think this is one of the exciting things that we're so pleased to have her on board so with that in mind, um, now I'm going to turn it over. <laughs> What's interesting about your band this time is that normally you are deconstructing things down to their bare bones. So a common example of a Chris band would be, uh, you know, a concert pianist who has the black keys dangling from fishing wire from the ceiling and is knocking them about like wind chimes kind of that's Chris's normal deconstruction. This one is 
more forward thinking. It's the opposite of deconstruction. It's AI generated, uh, but still factors in his appreciation of impermanence that I think is at the heart of the deconstructed stuff uh, and applies that to AI, right? So it's not a deconstruction of AI necessarily, but it still has those aesthetic elements that he really likes. Um, as far as the aphorism goes, uh, if you're totally alone, are you insane or sane? Uh, depends on who's looking, right? Depends on who's... <laughs> Yeah. Depend, depends on who's looking. And uh, then the Im- imaginative challenge. I uh yeah, I have a I have a lot of thoughts. Starting with this is something that I saw. Recent research shows that uh teachers make about ten times the amount of decisions per day that a brain surgeon does. Do you see this? Oh, yeah. Okay. I I actually thought it was higher. I've read things that say it's higher. They say that. Oh, that it's higher. It's higher. Well, 10 times how a minute? 10 times an hour? I guess just in a day. The the whole idea is that. I think, no, no, no. It's higher. It's higher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to, uh, you know, the decision-making capability, I think that Chris's initial suggestion that this person be a receptionist actually isn't the way that that would be insulting is if we thought about it strictly in terms of compensation, because obviously a receptionist Mm -hmm. is compensated far less than a, than a surgeon, but in terms of difficulty, I'd have to say that, you know, brain surgeons are trained to do one very complicated thing very well uh, and very efficiently. And, you know, you can't kill people. So there's a lot of stress with it, but being a receptionist, like being a teacher, you know, there's the guys remember Kathy, you know, the cartoon character, Kathy, where she's always like stressed out and, and screaming and stuff. And she's got like five phones or whatever. That's I was uh, thinking of the office. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or the office. So <laughs> we can keep that running in the background, but I do want to come back to this because what I'm so interested to hear from you as somebody who is a vet in terms of how long you've been doing this is not only what you think you're doing, but how that has changed over time. Because I'm green. I'm new. I'm a new guy. And you walk into it with a whole bunch of stupid, and I've only been doing it for four months, but I've already had a lot of my uh, illusion shattered. And, you know, you go through that whole process and you know, it's going to happen when you're actually in the shit, but how has it changed and, and where are you at now? Because I love, I love accumulating advice and life experience into how I go about my day to day. I'll stop talking and turn it over to you. No, no, you guys, you guys, you're so heady. He's so heady. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, whoa. Okay, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the most direct um, thoughts you've just had. And I, by the way, I've heard a little bit of of your experience, and it sounds like you're doing amazing. Really, it does. Oh, I thanks. Mean, yeah, no, seriously. And I, um, you said the, the idea of elementary 
concerns you like how yeah it's there's definitely times and grades that it's a little bit like herding cats for sure and there's an art to that for sure but um also i mean the levels you guys are at is that you know you got to stay ahead of them a little bit you got to stay ahead of them i mean that's key and so it's a little bit easier to do that at my level than it is your levels you know really i mean you you talk about prep yeah but it's on some i think of it as more physical physical um preparations of lessons and you guys you're you're at a very kind of heady pointy you, you got you know cuz you 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 got to get their respect and that's not always easy to do at those levels cuz they don't even know who they are what they are they're just becoming right i notice mm-hmm. none of us are at junior high level Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That shit is terrible. That would be, yeah. 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 I think of puberty, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I have a buddy who came up from middle school and he's like, it was like a dude who came back from Afghanistan or something. He's like, it's totally, totally. It's different. David, I did my observation originally when I was thinking about education those many years ago. And I did my observation at a junior high here in Seattle. And I don't even remember this woman's name, but I'm telling you what, she had wings and a halo. I, I don't know how she did it. Her room smelled, I remember, of like cinnamon tea every morning. And, you know, it was dark and cold and rainy. And I mean, those kids would come in and they were as big as her or bigger. And it was just, she just made, I, I don't know, she was a miracle worker. I wouldn't even go in the halls when the bell rang. You know, I I was like, and I didn't go into education for like five years after that. <laughs> I was like so blown away. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, my hat's off to you guys. And um, I think that um, as far as advice, I, I, you know, you got, you got it. And you both do this. I know you do. It's the joy in them, you know, the actual joy in getting to know those little humans or those young humans or, you know, it's they feel it. I I mean, they're just they're just littler, you know, or they're younger or whatever, but they totally feel it. Um, And the whole the whole vibe that we create. I mean, Chris, I've seen you in action, too. I mean, you are way too complimentary of me. And I. I've seen you and I'm just like thinking those kids, oh my, (laughs) there is no rest. There is no rest. You know, you're just pushing and, and entertaining and yeah, entertainment that David, that's Mm -hmm. advice, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Keep them, keep them laughing, keep them, you know, where they don't expect it, you know, Um, that's, and you both do that beautifully. I know you do. Um, I think, um, yeah, you know, the key is just everything you're talking about, that they feel valued. And yes, that we're honest with them, because I have big thoughts about this student that you have, because I think in life, in general, are we doing people a favor by being dishonest with them? Mm. You know, mm. Mm. are we doing are we doing them a favor? I mean, so many people, they say, oh, I'm conflict adverse or you know whatever well yeah all of us are i mean it's not fun it's not pleasant but you know <laughs> yeah. right but i mean if you if you i, I mean what, what are we setting this poor young adult up for and what are these people that are advising the person to go into medicine what 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 are they setting them up for i mean they're spending money 
there, you know, time. Yeah. yeah. These are things that we don't get back. These are things. And I, and I think of it in terms on my level. Okay. Cause what I thought of, and then I'm going to shut up, but Chris, what I thought of when you were talking about this is the parents I have of children that are completely out of touch with who their children are. Right. And so they're either in defensive mode or they're, or they're, um, just unrealistic and pushing them like maybe people are this young person that you're talking about. And I, and I just think what a disservice we're doing. I mean, we need to be learning how to help them because you know what? There's a voice in that person's head that they know they're not cutting it. They know they're not cutting it. Interesting. Yeah. You know? And so then, then it's about these lies or this, cognitive dissonance, right? That they've got going within them and they just need somebody to really care enough to be honest and brave and say, look, you know what? Um, you know, and maybe ask questions because, you know, a lot of questions about how do you see yourself doing this? You know, how do you see yourself preparing for this? And, you know, I, I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine that people are that out of touch and delusional, you know, I mean, it's worrisome, but with some of the young people I have (laughs) and the the parent support they have that are not helping them accept themselves and, and, and further themselves realistically, I think they can get to your level, Chris, and not, and not be open and realistic about what their future holds, you know? Okay, well, well, my level isn't necessarily anyone else's levels, and I, I'm not sort of su- suggesting that it is. I'm an academic is, level, academic level. Okay, here's a question for both you and David, because I think that you are dealing with, at different grade levels and different you know life levels, something that I'm not, something that I'm not. You have to deal with parents and the extended community. I am by law required not to deal with parents. And Lisa, you as a parent have, you know, you have matured, you know, you know, lots of maturing, you know, young people, you know, they become adults and, and you just can't step in and go, well, you know, I'm 30 years older than you are. Well, sorry, actually, the law says, you know, this person is an individual and an adult in their own right. You and David both at different levels must engage with the community. And I think you both, uh, I I mean, David, I've been with, I know Lisa has been around her community and people go, I I remember you from 30, you know, years or 20 years ago or whatever. Gosh. Okay, enough of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just joking you. No, it's true. Yeah. But you know, that, that you are community representatives in a way that mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not shirking that responsibility. I, but just it, I'm just not in that zone and I have to actually certify that I'm not part of that. So I would like to hear about what that means in terms of negotiating, because I think it really means something very, very practical. It means you're not just dealing with a student or students. You are dealing with parent groups, however vital and connected they are. And maybe COVID has had some real impact on that. But you're also part of a longer term, bigger community issue. 
of of your guardians, your guardians in a way that I'm not. So I'd like to hear a little bit about what that means. I'd really like to hear from David on this because I, I was kind of in awe of my teachers, high school t- teachers. I got to tell you, I, I, I really, I, I would go to those curriculum nights and I'd be like, you know, what the heck's wrong with you, man? This is such a cool class. I mean, like, I, I would be like, I'll take this class. I mean, what the, you know, you guys are nuts, man. Do you get, I don't know. And they, you know, be whining and complaining and now not always, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I was, mm-hmm. I, I, what, how, how do you deal with the parents? How do you, what's your role, David? What do you? Oh, well, okay. Much so, so I moved back to my hometown. So I'm teaching currently at the high school that I graduated from. Oh uh, my gosh. Back, I don't think I knew oh, that. Yeah. Oh, wow. in, in, uh, yeah. I graduated yeah. back in 2005. And so I'm back, uh, you know, 18 years later. Oh, and wow. it was so it's so funny because the school nurse is the mother of one of my best buds. Oh. And there was this story where he and I were out at a bar. We were in our early 20s and somebody roofied my drink. This was a bar that eventually got pinched for uh, the bartenders actually roofing drinks. Oh, um, no. I don't know what their plan was with this. Anyway, yeah. Like, I got, why? I got right? one. <laughs> yeah, I got one. And we went back to because we didn't have very much beer. We went back to uh, my my friend's place because we were going to drink more and kind of just hang out and play video games and whatever. I got to his driveway, got out of the car, pet his dog, and then collapsed. Oh my right? God. And so he brought me inside where his mom was. And the mom is the school nurse at the school that I work <laughs> for. So when I, when I see her, I'm like, oh my God, Petra, I haven't seen you. Like and She's like, David, the last time I saw you, you were roofied. And I was like, oh, don't, no. don't say that too loud. Uh, so don't, don't, don't want them to, to, to hear that. Um, so I'm, I'm at a, in a community, uh, in a place where I, I, I grew up with now when it comes to parents so far, I've had a lot of support from parents, but I think that is be like, I got an email the other day from a parent and it was sent out to all of her child's teachers. And it said that her son was uh, on an IEP and that he was not being supported by anyone except for uh, my class. So that was nice, right? That I kind of, I got off off the hook for that one. Um, but for the students who are, have been having a bit more trouble and are failing my classes and I've had, you know, meetings with their parents, luckily so far, um, their parents who are you know, their kids are almost adults. They got one more year. So they've, they've been in school for 11 years and these mothers all knew what their kids were about. Right. So when I tell them, you know, Elijah is, uh, you know, he talks in class, not in a bad way, right? Like he, he participates. I love having him around. He just doesn't turn anything in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, I would tell that to, you know, this, this just huge intimidating woman. And she turns to her son and says, you need to quit playing with this man and turn in your assignment. You know, so I, I have a lot of support from the parents so far, but I've heard horror stories. My my coworkers have told me stories about, you know, getting cussed out by parents. And I know it's down the road. I know it's coming. Um, I've had, I've had one parent who was, irate with me didn't cuss me out but was definitely irate and mostly what happens when 
or what happened during that conversation. But what happens broadly when people are upset with me is I just shut up and listen and just kind of let the silences hang Mm -hmm. because I've discovered that when I do that, people are more uncomfortable with silences than I am. I could sit here and just look at you two for a couple of (laughs) minutes and I'd be all right. I'd be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of people are not like that. So if you're just quiet, they'll, they give you, you know, they read you the riot act, da, 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 da. And then you don't say anything. And they're like, and then, uh, because, and then they become confused about what they're mad about. Uh, so the one parent that I had, like, by the time we hung up, we were laughing and, and joking. And I said, yeah, I'll get that. That was my mistake, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but what I've, so the real problem that I've seen is when you encounter a student who, because I don't have any behavioral issues at all. Right. Really? Really? Yeah. I'm with you, Lisa. I'm with you. No, I don't. Well, I don't, I don't have behavioral issues at all. Right. Uh, We start the class and I explain uh, mutual respect and I address all my students with yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And we, we all have this kind of mutual respect thing. So I haven't had any behavior issue issues at all. My major issue is uh, turning in work. Huh? Okay. Turning in, turning in work because there are some students that I've noticed um, Mm. will be completely pleasant and, and smile at you and participate in class and then just not do the damn worksheet or whatever that they Mm -hmm. have to have a grade for. Mm -hmm. And the problems that I've noticed from, from my coworkers is when you, you get those parents, some parents, they blame you for that. They're like, Mm -hmm. well, it's your job to get them to turn it in. And I, to that in my head, this is all hypothetical because it hasn't happened yet. But in my head, I would be like, I don't know what you would want me to do. Uh, I could give, I, well, what I did was give them a failing grade, but do you want me to like sit on them or something until they follow them home their, and follow them home with a bullhorn? <laughs> You're like, you have a paper dinner. Right. You Look who's at dinner tonight, dear. You know, do you have that problem with just like, like non-engagement with homework, non- you know, just not delivering. I mean, you're we're talking third graders here. So are you, are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, I give homework because I believe it's a good practice. You know, it's practice. It's practice. It's just it's stuff we've already done. It's never new. And they don't have to dig that deep. You know, they just don't. And some cannot. They. I have to give more and more, I have to give individualized practice homework mm-hmm. where because they can so they can manage it on their own because I just want them to develop that routine, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. healthy, I'm responsible for this, I'm getting grown up. And yeah, that no, it's and I don't they don't I don't give any grades on the homework at all. I keep track of who does and doesn't turn it in. And I will have conversations with students very one-on-one and just say, you know what? See this stack of papers right here? These people got that practice and you didn't. You missed out on that practice. <laughs> so that's a conversation you're having with a student, not yes, a parent. Not okay. a parent. And I and I and I would never see I totally understand at David's level that he would 
that makes sense to me that he has to have those conversations because your your child is failing, right? I mean, mm-hmm, they're going to mm-hmm, fail. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that is completely different at my level. My level, yes. When I meet with parents beyond the conferences, it's, or or emails or, or conversations on the phone, it's about behavior and choices. And yeah, yeah, I, I'm stunned. I just think enjoy this year so much, David, that you don't have, be, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I don't, that's wonderful. But it also- they oh sorry they want that also indicates i think there's less behavior um at my level anyway elementary the more interesting the more engaged the more you know involved these kids are the less behavior problems in general mm-hmm, period mm-hmm. is that I'm, I'm true really, at your levels uh, no totally i i am interested though cuz you mentioned parent teacher conferences at my level we i had very few teachers or I'm sorry, parents come in. Um, we had two, three hour blocks of time kind of sectioned off for parents to come in. I barely had anybody come in. So when you have parent teacher conferences, you said you're focusing on behavior and are yours. Um, do you just do the problem kids or do you, do you talk to all the parents? How, how does that work at third grade? It's a, you know, it changes over time it's changed, but we have two set aside times for conferencing every year. Mm-hmm. And th- it's evolved, like I said, over time, they're supposed to be earlier in the year that the ones are more goal setting and getting to know you. Um, and those are not as pressure filled as they once later in the year when you have been, um, you know, you know, the child, there's been assessments and overall, I love parent conferences because I learned so much about if, if a parent, is open and you know what I mean? They're, they're supportive of school. I learned so much about, about the child and, and about them. And, you know, I've become, a, you know, my goal of course is to be a team with the parent at this level. Right. When I talk about behaviors is, I mean, we talk about all things academic and behavioral at conferences, but if I've met with parents, which I did before this last conference, it was just last week, these conferences. And I meet with every single one, David, every, almost almost every family every year i've i've had a mm-hmm. few exceptions mm-hmm. but um and that's not easy to do sometimes in 4 days when you have 32 students cuz you know yeah. what i mean that's that's yeah. 30 minutes that's a lot mm-hmm. but um they're usually always worth it and sometimes there are those outliers that you've ta- you've spoken about but i would say when i talk to families frequently it's usually either uh, really concerns about academics or really concerns about behavior. What Otherwise. is your situation with the phones at third grade? What do they do with phones? No, I have one, one this year is all sixth grade was more. So sixth grade, they had to put it on my desk in a bag, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because by that age and certainly at junior high and high school, well, junior high, I think is a big issue with my, with my kids, own kids. I wanted to be able to know what time do you need to be picked up? What time, you know, right. it's a communication right. yeah. issue. Yeah. But uh, I don't know at your level, do you have cheating and stuff with the phone? Do you have? No, no, no. It's not even that it's um, I've recently discovered, um, you know, you become a part of the high school whisper network and you hear about <laughs> like other teachers and what they do. I have a fantastic mentor. Like my ment, I'm so lucky. My mentor is, is great. 
and the two uh, English teachers across the hall for me are similarly great. So not only do I have great advice, I have all their lessons that they've accumulated over decades that I can just pull from. Oh, that's wonderful. I went out on a limb recently and tried to do my own thing. And I went back into the safety, back towards the campfire of what they'd already (laughs) done. Like almost immediately, I was like, holy shit, I'm not doing that ever again. Um, No, don't say that. You will because you're creative. (laughs) You're creative. I mean, both of you guys are writers and, and you're so creative and, and you, you will that, that the, the, I didn't think I was creative. I never thought I was creative. And then I mm-hmm. started teaching and it, there's so many opportunities for creativity within oh. that. So huge, you know, right? Yeah. And so you will, you will, you will. But I think it's totally great that you're leaning on theirs because you'll make it your own. You do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do. And, and you know, maybe you'll keep that lesson, but you'll make it better. I mean, those are the best sure. years when you teach something more than once. And yeah. uh, watching Chris is like, I don't know. Performance art half the time. Yeah. I'd like to see that at, at one point. The, the What I learned from the Whisper Network is that there are some teachers who have rooms that seem more like kind of spa therapy rooms. Oh, interesting. So they explained to me that the, that the teacher who a lot of these kids had before me has a room that's full of bean bags and full of pillows and they can go huh. in there and nap and look at their phones and she teaches oh. and you know, my co-teacher for my fourth hour um, said, yeah, that room, there's no classroom management at all. It's just kind of a free for all. So when you ask me about behavior, so I don't have a problem with people, with them being uh, uh, outwardly disrespectful, rude, talking. With talking, I can just say, hey, up here. And they immediately, but the phones- the phones. Oh. The phones are a problem. And what they're doing on the phones oh. is not cheating. What I'm saying is that they are, they're playing video games on oh, their phones right. times, you know? And, and when I, I'll ask them, I'll say, what do you, what do your other classes look like? Do you play on your phone like this in all your classes? And they'll say, oh yeah. And I'll say, what are your, what do your teachers say? They'll say, well, they don't really, they, they, they don't care except for Da, 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 da. Like one teacher makes them do wall sits, which I thought was really funny. Oh, I like that. <laughs> where, where you, you know, you put your back against the wall. Yeah, and you have yeah to those are hard. Through. Yeah. 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 Hard they to make do us very do, long. do wall sits if we want to look at our phone. So like you have to be doing a wall sit. That's good. I like that. They have um, to go do a wall sit if they want to look at their phone. Yeah. yeah I like yeah. that. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Um but yeah, so that that currently, and Chris knows this because I've complained about it enough. But that's my current big challenge is just, and it's you, just so you in can't that say hour. no phones. You can't say no phones. I can't touch their phone. Can you so, say no phones? Can you put it in your? You have to put it in your pocket or your backpack. What I've started doing, and it's and it's been okay. They get mad, but whatever. Um, <laughs> is I I have a paper bag, uh-huh. and I put the paper bag on their desk, and uh-huh. that's when they know that the phone goes in the paper bag Good. and they can't take it out until, until the end. I don't like doing that. Um, Excellent. But, I think that's I think it's great. Yeah. Thanks. I, but, but anyway, so, I mean, I just, what I was wondering about, you know, phones is that, you know, you have, so your third graders yeah. are going to eventually be my 11th, 10th, 9th graders. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm just kind of wondering like where they're at with their, with their phone usage. Chris? 
Did you want to say something? Well, I, I want to jump in. I, I think this is one of the crucial questions for us as, as teachers, because it is an absolute literal fact that Lisa's third graders will become her colleague, you know, her fourth graders, and they will, you know, this is the idea of the educational program. It is a progression. And so yep. therefore is the assumption that we are somehow working within a kind of coherent program that leads one thing to another, that enables students to move one thing to another, uh, whether that be academically or emotionally, psychologically, behaviorally, um, we dealing in the public system. I mean, I know Lisa has, has had some special needs kids. I, I actually have some very difficult um, special needs adults. Well, you know, it, it's tricky. Um, but I think that the idea that we are working within some sort of coherent progressive program, which is the promise to students, the promise to families, the promise to society. I wonder about the actual delivery of that. And the other question I have for Lisa is that when I was in elementary school, I think that my teachers had an enormous amount of autonomy in the curriculum presented, not just their demeanor, not just their delivery, not just, I think the core material that they were presenting was not predetermined by a school, school district, a state government, or any kind of larger overlook. I mean, why would you overlook and overshoulder a professional of Lisa's standing? I just wouldn't do that. I would turn it around and go, well, these people have not yet retired. Let's find out what they think works. That's what my idea would be in, well, in her state government is Olympia in Washington. Those are the questions I would be asking. I wouldn't be going, I think you should teach this. I would be asking someone of longstanding professional experience, what works? What actually works with students? You know, what works in a classroom? And I just don't hear that happening in education today on any level. And I'd be welcome to your responses at both it's certainly no one asks me. Um, actually, you know, the people who come to ask me, you know who they are? They're textbook publishers who mm -hmm. also, mm -hmm. if I wanted to publish with them, they would give me 4% on mm -hmm. every sales. You know, I think, well, thank you very much. You know, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me all your creativity and great ideas. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, and, and, and beautiful words. And let me just give you 4%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris, I think that that the answer to that would be different depending on which state you live in in our great nation, depending on the 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 time in history. 
I mean, I think it's just evolving. And I think that's one of the criticisms of education is it hasn't changed enough. You know, it's very traditional, particularly Mm, at the, at the, at the elementary level. But I think that, um, I think there's good and bad to both. I mean, I think the common core, you guys have heard of that, right? Common core standards, right? They have those all the way to high school. They have them at your high school, David. Yep, they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have a, we have a pacing guide that we're supposed to Right, right. Kind of vaguely stick to. Yeah. And I think that, you know, at that time when that was being created, that was an effort. I think, you know, the way I understood it is like a child could live in Arizona or they could live in, um, David, you live in? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And they would have similar experiences, right, in their, in their educational experience. And so, you know, like many things in my career, I, you know, I get on board. It's like, I'm ready for something new. And I'm going to, if somebody knows more than me, I'm going to go listen and pay attention. But I think also then, you know, my, my mentor, uh, my teaching mentor, Glenda Many, who a fascinating lifelong learner, her own self, and um, very much my, my teammate, David, that you're talking about some of yours. And she just said the pendulum swings, the pendulum swings. And I'm at that point in my career now where I have seen both sides where it's very loose and very uh, maybe creative and holistic. And then it's very tight, very tight, um, rigid expectations and not talking behaviorally right now. Uh, Chris, I'm talking academically and I don't know. I, I think in the middle somewhere, if you're going to ask me, my answer is in the middle is the best. Because if you are a career teacher and you've done, you've taught a long time, I want some freedoms. Like you're saying, I want, I don't necessarily know what works with every single child on earth or every class. Because by the way, are they each class? Like they're just, it's like, I, I can't explain it. Each cohort seems different every year. It's crazy. It's like something's in the water some years, you know, and you're just like, mm-hmm. wow. And it wasn't just COVID that makes you feel that way. I mean, every year of my career, there's just, ah, it's different. It's different. But I think that, uh, I hope I haven't lost my thought. I think that I want that kind of creativity. I want to be able to, you know, team with somebody that's got some good ideas and create what I know is going to meet the standard, but I don't want that scripted, those, those publishers. I mean, it's like, I remember when I first started teaching, you'd turn the page and it's like, oh, okay, today I'm going to teach theme, you know, or, oh, today's mm-hmm. a vocabulary lesson or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, today we're going to, you know, do some right. You know, mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was just like, mm-hmm. it didn't take long to feel really stifled, but yet those are really good supports and ground you know, kind of frameworks for a brand new teacher, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's t- only taught a year or two. So they do want to have those in place. And I support that because not everybody has a mentor this day and age. Oh, I'm glad to hear David that that's happening because mm-hmm. I don't know how you would teach academic, the academic level that's expected for those high schoolers, certainly seniors to be ready to go to Chris, you know, I mean, I don't know how people do that without mentors and people that support and guide them because um, it's, it's a lot, but we expect the, what, oh, that's a way things have changed over the years. The expectations from when I first started teaching to what I teach now, what I'm teaching now, 
tremendous change. I was teaching, when I was teaching sixth grade, I was teaching writing forms and just just literary uh, understanding that mm-hmm. I know I did not have until eighth and ninth grade. I know mm-hmm. I didn't. I know mm-hmm. I didn't. I never mm-hmm. had those kind. It was expected. I mean, we wrote reports, of course, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. persuasive writing and the narrative writing and the different forms that we expect our junior high kids who are meanwhile, you know, hormonal and growing nut, nuts, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> going mm-hmm. cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, you know, I mean, yeah, no. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's, I worry about that. That's one thing I'd like to hear you guys' perspective on, you know, have we, have we lost some wonder and joy time, but meanwhile, apparently we're behind China, you know, I mean, I've got a dad, I just conferenced with him last week. His, he works for Amazon. And his daughter's lovely and works really hard. The mom cannot get a visa. The little girl within a couple of weeks of school took a week off because she hadn't seen her mom in two years. Mm. The mom is still in China. The visa permits are concerning and he has to move. He and, and, Oh, I'm not supposed to say names. Okay. He and this child has to have to move out of the country for a year so that they can come back. It, it has to do with visas. He spent a lot of his time explaining that to me. And he, of course, sees, mm, the student wants to go back to China to see her mom, to be with her mom. She would go back. And he is concerned about the mm-hmm. expectation level that she mm-hmm. would not. And he didn't, he was not criticizing me. He was not unhappy. He's happy with her education, but he was worried about her, not only the language, being able to handle the language expectations, but certainly the academic levels if she right. if he took it back. And these are nine-year-olds. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, I want to jump in here because uh, I, I, I'm a relentless experimenter as David knows, and I think you mm-hmm. know, so I always mm-hmm. just follow mm-hmm. my own strange paths and I, I step away from things and, and listen to, well, I'm a, I'm a real listening sort of person because you're both such good looking people and it's distracting. <laughs> um, it, it really is. Uh, and I think it's distracting for, for life. And I, I really try to engage the listening thing. So I just moved off into my hallway to see if what you were saying made sense. And what does that really mean to make sense? That's the essence of education is to make sense and to help people make more sense. And I really did think that was coming through in some interesting ways. Uh, one question I, I, I have and it crosses over from what we're doing as teachers, but also what we're needing as colleagues. And I think what we're performing together tonight, and hopefully for our listeners, that word mentor, you know, the difference between a teacher and a mentor and the need for mentors. I'd really like to hear from both of you what the difference between a teacher and a mentor is and how you feel you're connecting with that, how you feel your need for mentorship 
still exists. I mean, I know that that Lisa is um frankly a little bit lonely in in the professional situation. I think that we're and this is not unusual to her situation. I think that we are having a hard we obviously would have, you know, we wouldn't have the problem retaining teachers if people felt collegial and and friendship support. And in my jurisdiction, which is Clark County, there is such a crisis of teacher support at the public school level. There is no solution in the short term. There really is. It's not just about throwing money at it. That's not going to do it. Um, But what is the difference between a teacher and a mentor to you? Let's start with you, Lisa, first and then go to David. Well, I, I think just off the top, I would say a mentor, um, it, 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 it vacillates between um, teaching, but also teaming. So that, oh, that's nice. You know, that's good. That's good. Because, uh, you know, when you, when those, you're me- being mentored, it's like uh, often, I mean, the times I've had positive experiences with that it's like i've learned as much as they have do you know what i mean so i think that's the ideal um and and that's how it sits in my mind a mentor is someone that that there's they're helping you find all that you are but they're getting they're getting you know they're getting a lot back too because you're creating you know creating together i don't know are you a good mentor um Have you been given a chance to be a mentor? Oh, I, I would, I would like that. Yeah. I I think, I think those are also some changes that have happened in this. They don't, they don't have them in my school district anymore at all. Mm. And it's not good. And I think mentoring takes time and also everybody's under the gun. They're just pressured. There's so much expected that it's hard to have, you know, that that you know pass that on that love and yeah yeah it's in your experience as a as a student uh you know you went through a lot of of changes you you know you've been in the southwest you've been in the northwest you have taught at different levels you were in alaska uh on and on and on do you have an example in your life that you can think of of a mentor who kind of occurs to you now with the benefit of wisdom and some more experience that maybe you kind of overlooked in the moment that maybe because this is something that's really come to my mind of late I, I'm I, I think as you both know, getting more and more involved in music and uh I think I'm good at it. I don't care what anyone else thinks. But what I'm remembering, what's what's important to me is I am harvesting some of my fancy Ivy League education that left me so alienated and mm-hmm. suicidal. And I took it for granted in the moment. The music department was actually very strange. I had a a black world musician, very, very positioned in a certain world. And then I had a very major white 
electronic musician, the inventor of the synclavier. So I had a huh. real oscillation between those two. And I've come back to really appreciating what those mentors were to me all these years later. And I, it's not that I didn't appreciate it in the moment, but if you'd said to me when I was 20, I don't know, 24, you know, what I would have gone, ah, yeah, 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 you know. But now I think about it and I think, oh my God, really? William Cole and John Appleton as as faculty? I mean, really? I, I think that, and that is kind of what I remember about the whole thing. So I wonder if the question of mentorship in your own lives is something that only echoes down the years. And David, I, I, I think this is something I've seen with Lisa of, of people coming up to her from the past and appreciating the, the contribution, which is starting to happen to me now. I, I get I get notes from students from 10 years ago. And of course, I couldn't have gotten those 10 years ago, could I? You know, <laughs> and I'm 10 years older and I'm a little bit sad about that. But I am grateful that something got through something got through and i just yeah wonder what yeah. your thoughts are yeah i think that when it comes to um the difference between teachers and, and mentors so i think like so mentor right mentor took care of telemachus when odysseus left right that's yeah. that's where it came from so there's a kind of um uh, there's a kind of almost parental aspect to a mentor, mm -hmm. but I like to think of the difference between teachers and mentors as, so a, a teacher is teaching you something, which sounds redundant, but it bears stating. Mm -hmm. A mentor is more of an intention setter for a person, Ooh. right? Okay. Um, a mentor is somebody who who helps you to bring your intent into focus. And then if they're really good, provide you several potential paths that you could take oh, to get there. Uh -huh. um, and good. when I heard you both talking about mentors that you only realized in hindsight, I think that's because we when once we follow a path, with the benefit of hindsight, we can look back the same way when you walk through the snow, you see your tracks, you look back and you say, oh, I took a path. Mm. And then you think, oh, and then that's what so-and-so said at that one point that set that intent, that set that path. And so I think that teaching and mentorship are of a kind, but there is a very, there's a very important difference between the two, right? Where one is much more that kind of invisible hand guiding you towards something. Whereas teaching is teaching can be as simple as a squared plus B squared equals C squared. It's knowledge. Yep. It's the transference of knowledge. Mentorship mm. is the application of that and the guidance to, to put that knowledge into good use. Okay. Oh, that's lovely. That's, that's lovely. That's well said. Thanks. I have a question. Um, Chris, I have a question for you. Yeah. Why do you think that you, why, why is it only in hindsight that you were appreciating that? 
Was that about them or was that about you or what? I think that's a really good question. And I've been wondering a lot about that lately. Um, I think that uh, certainly one of the figures was very contentious uh, socio-politically within the Dartmouth campus at the time, mm-hmm. which is, uh, it's a small, you know, it's an Ivy League school. It has all of the elitist problems that we're seeing around the, the nation today. I was a financial aid student and on the outer of everything, and I didn't know quite what to think of, of all of the political unrest. Um, so there were some, some differences there. Um, also, I think, you know, I just didn't really, I wasn't really courageous enough to fully embrace their teaching, honestly, and mm. to be a musician and, and to think of myself as, as participating uh, in the world music night, as Jack Kerouac said, you know, I, I just I thought I was kind of on the outer of that. And I really didn't have a right to have a view about uh, what they were doing. Um, I certainly appreciated. And I this is part of my larger thing about what my college experience was about. It was all the peripheral things. It was the guest speakers it was the radical uh, lesbian men-hating people of the time who were allowed to come to campus. It were it was like crazy people, you know, people who, you know, I mean, there was no holds barred then. And mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for that experience. I don't think that's possible today. Mm-hmm. Well, I know it's not possible today. It's way, way too contentious. But mm-hmm. we had um, the the two music people brought musicians and world forms of music into my life that, well, frankly, just broke the bubble of my thinking also. I mean, I think that's fair enough. You might, you know, it something might happen to you that it does take 20 or 30 years to deal with. You might fall in love. You might discover an art form. You might discover something that just so shatters your worldview that hopefully you live long enough to deal with it, you know, because you can't deal with it in your twenties or thirties. You start mulling lawns and you start, you know, dealing with in-laws and you think, Oh, well, you know, and then 20 years goes by. So I think that's the real answer. I think some things got through to me that were kind of extraterrestrial, metaphorically, you know, to me, they were for a kid from Oakland, you know, I mean, I, I was working as an orderly, I, I was, I was moving bedpans, I was doing more grunts at the hospital, you know, and suddenly to meet people of world class musicianship, Miles Davis, I drove Miles Davis to Juilliard, which was a huge thing for him, because he left he he hated the Juilliard School of Music, and it was a big thing to drive him in a limousine to New York. And as if I'd ever driven in Manhattan traffic, I had no idea. I didn't. I mean, it was a giant Lincoln. T- you know, I had no idea. And so I think it's fair enough that it, it, it took a long time to kind of incorporate those wonderful uh experiences and and also you know people like patty smith 
you know, I, I saw her in concert not so, you know, she's still going. Really? I mean, she's not that much older than than I am, or, you know, and it was a weird thing to sort of meet, you know, to even deal with someone like that at the peak of a kind of commercial fame moment. And I, 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 I kind of forgive myself for being a little bit broken and, and broken. I wasn't, thinking, I, wasn't, way. I wasn't at all judging. No, no, I, I, I know you don't. Get, I know you weren't. I know you weren't. I was just trying to get a perspective on no, it. No, you know? Yeah, I understand. Because I mean, when I think about, you said, what kind of men are you? Or you asked a question to that effect. And I, this sounds, I don't know if we even want to go here, but it it has to do with age for me, I feel. And I've had to, like, people don't, they, 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 they at a certain age, I don't know if you guys, because you're men and maybe it's different for you, but I'm just saying it's at a certain age, it was like, I wasn't somebody that somebody would want to to mentor them you know well, i think that's a very hard thing that you've got to be i mean even as you know i mean oh I, it was really hard i don't care now <laughs> i don't care now but i did became, i did a lot cooler. Yeah. i did what i said you broke through it and became even cooler yeah, yeah. i hope yeah. so yeah. i don't know i just i thought they're lost eventually you know eventually but it was it was hard. I mean, you know, uh, I've talked to my kids about their, I'm really open with my own children and they've gone on this teaching journey with me, David. So I, I hope your son will too. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, hope, I hope so too. Yeah. I and so I, too. Cause you'll learn so much, you know, his perspective will just start to play in so largely, you know, for you. And I, um, but I did, I did care a lot. I did care a lot. I didn't feel old. I didn't feel washed up. I didn't, I felt like I was still learning and, and, and excited about education and, and vibrant. And it was, it was weird. It was almost like a, I don't. And so I don't know, Chris, I guess that's another question I have for both of you. Is it, is that the times we live in? Is it just the uh, passage, you know, like the, the ages that we go through. Cause when I asked you the question, Chris, I wondered if perhaps, well, I just wasn't, you know, they seemed old and I wasn't. And, you know, I, I don't, I didn't know. I, I, a lot of the, it's better now, but I, there was a definite phase around the time that I would have been a, a really strong uh, mentor and, and leader for some young people in education that I was just, it was just, I was just kind of treated like, Oh, you know, well, I have a very definite opinion about that because I do know something of your particular school situation. I mean, I think that you run circles around much younger people, no matter what gender they are. And I just don't think you're supported by the administration that is, I mean, I, I administration is what is killing education. I think we've this is the constant fight. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that is the, that is what I've noticed in my very, very short time here is there is a battle. Interesting. Between teachers and administration. It's like a us and them thing. And, you know, like when you're new, 
you just kind of show up to the to the West Side Story gang fight, you know, and somebody gives you a, a switchblade and you're like, they're like, OK, you're on this side now. And so you're like, all right, jet, cool. You're yeah. A jet. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah. that. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, but can I you know, stand in the back? You know, yeah, can I say in the back and just like watch this all play? My mentor, my mentor, my second day, my second day, check this out. My second day, we're at orientation and I'm back in the hallowed halls of my alma mater high school. That's so crazy. Right? It's so crazy. And we're, we're in the library and my mentor, who I haven't met yet, uh, some administrator, I, I cannot remember the details of what was going on, but some somebody said something. And my mentor just stands up from the back and starts yelling at the administrator. How do you expect me to do this? You have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I'm in the classroom every day. And then I'm like, oh, this chick is badass. Holy cow. Like, she's so cool. And then she comes up and she's like, hi, I'm Dr. Blah, blah, blah. I'm your, I'm your mentor. And I'm like, yes, let's go. But I was immediately introduced to this, <laughs> this contentious relationship between administration and 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 teachers and i feel like hearing you all talk about that it's it's funny to see this is my mother who's a teacher as well she's a down to school wow you never said that yeah mom is a mom's taught elementary uh for most of my life uh and she's a teacher here in town at chris you didn't tell me that wow she's a get around to this yeah blood it's in the blood it's i love that what, what, she taught at the elementary level also? Yes. So she's always done elementary and she's taught all the grades, like first through six. Right now yep. she's a special ed uh, coordinator. She does a lot of, uh, uh, I don't think they call them IEP. They might call them IEPs. Yes, she they do it in my school. Okay. Okay. So then she does IEPs and she, you know, she's always doing kind of special. I love she's, like special she's like the special, she's like the resource room teacher. She's a, is yes. she still teaching or coordinating? She is, uh, well, she's, you know, I'll have to ask her. Uh, this is a blind spot that I should probably fill in. Um, the most she, challenging position yeah. in the school. Yeah. So, so, so she has done every, and she has, uh, throughout my adult life, she has moved, um, usually between third and fourth. Um, okay. But okay. she will occasionally do stints in special ed. And oh. those special ed stints don't normally last more than two or three years. And then she goes back to general ed. Smart. Takes, wow, takes, a break, takes a breather and then comes back because huh. it's, yeah, it's too. So she's too certified on many levels then. She has to be certified on many levels then. Oh, yeah. She's a badass. She's, she's. Uh, oh, wow. Why is it here? <laughs> mom, yeah, I, could, I could get mom. Well, on we're going to do more. We're going to do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, wow. I want to do more. Yeah. I, I would wanna, love to meet her. I would love to meet I, her. I want to do more. And I had so much fun doing this one. I, I feel like we need to get into our later segments just because I need to go to sleep, but I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface and you're such a cool guest. So oh. without taking up too much of your time, would you be open to doing more of these? Uh, I would love to. I would love to, but I, we can do earlier too. We can do earlier. It's just tonight. I, I, no, I'm no, no, no. Earlier. This is no, this is the normal time that Chris and I do stuff. It's just, really? you know, it's about, about 10 30. I start to turn into a pumpkin. So, um, 
but I would love to he's talk in to Oklahoma, Lisa. Yeah. yeah, I'm central central time. Coast. I'm on central time. Bless your heart. <laughs> Bless your heart. Bless your little yep, heart. That's, that's what they say. That's um, what they say. But yeah, so awesome. So cool. Thank I really you. like this direction for the show. Um, Thank you. And... I was kind of nervous. But I, I'm really glad I joined you guys tonight. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. You've added a lot. And we would love to have you back as a guest. There's lots of things to explore. Because I do know, I, I have had a look at your, the way you handle curriculum in terms of art and science and cultural history. And I think there's some really fun things to explore of how that works at the third grade level. I think there are, Many people, uh, and David's a good example, younger parents who are listeners who are starting off on the journey of trying to raise families and deal with schools and communities. And I think it would be very interesting to hear about how your experience as a mom has impacted or not your experience as a teacher. Oh, definitely. It has. I think there's some, some things to explore. So we would love to have you back as a guest. Uh, again, thank you for celebrating our 175th episode. And this is really one of the, you know, this is the meeting ground of, we're trying to build community with this. We're trying to talk about some really important issues of the moment gracefully and, and not to press on too many hot button topics. But education is where, where stuff is, is going down. We all know that. And you're in the thick of it. David's in the thick of it. And in my own way, I'm in the thick of it. I do teach in the shadow of, and I mean the shadow, of the, the most significant mass uh, murder attack in America. I walk past. I, I see that every morning. We're dealing with some serious issues. And We've been very positive and upbeat with this segment, and I think that's really appropriate. But it would be really fun to know, Lisa, that you would be a, a potential resource to call upon for future episodes because you're fun to talk to and you have a tremendous amount of experience. And you are the mentor uh, for many, many people, uh, whether that's acknowledged within your particular school district or not. It's Thank you. I I don't I don't I hope I didn't sound whiny and stuff because I I don't feel that you're way. Never whiny. No, I think you're really you know, I just, that way. You have to do 175 episodes of a podcast, and then once you once you get to that, see this is this is where I'm I'm mentoring, right? Once you do 175 episodes of a podcast, you stop giving a shit what anybody thinks what you sound like. <laughs> right. There you go. There <laughs> you go. There you go. Yeah, because you have, like that. you have so much. You have so many little voices that come in and say, well, why did you say this? And why mm -hmm. did you do that? And you mm -hmm. did do that. And then eventually, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. you stay up at night and you think, oh my God, do mm -hmm. I really sound that way? Am I mm -hmm. racist? Oh my God. Did I? And then eventually you're like, wait a minute, I'm not racist. I don't care no, what that, I, what, like, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. like no. all you have to do to find out if you're racist or not is ask yourself if you're racist. And then you find right. out you're not. And then you uh, realize that these people are mentally ill because they're online too much. And you just stop yep. caring. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. That's, that's what fun. I had to do. These people think I'm old and I'm not old. I had no. to ask myself, am I old? I'm not old. No. <laughs> no. No. no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> and neither I I really uh, yeah. I want to meet your mom, David. 
All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You All know right. what? I think that would actually be so cool. That would be wild. I'm, I'm moving yeah. into an apartment. Serious women on board. Laws oh, yeah. dear. We could take yeah. over. Okay. So what did you start to say about your apartment? You said apartment? Oh, my new apartment is going to be uh, about eight miles from mom's. Mom lives in a trailer outside of town about eight miles. Okay. And uh, she's super stoked because she's going to be up that road every day to see Gus, my son. Oh, and so if she's here Uh and we can coordinate it, that would be so cool to have four of these squares on the screen. Oh, my goodness. And have like. People who start listening to Lost Explorers at episode one and Chris and I are like, what what happens when you oscillate between dimensions? And then they're like, where does this show go? And then they get to one like 80 or whatever. And it's teacher talk with David's mom. <laughs> they're like, oh, this is down to earth. Yeah. <laughs> hey, right on down that to would earth. Be, that would be the coolest direction. I'm Every every time I finish the show, and nor- uh, obviously normally it's Chris and I uh, who are doing this, but I, I tell him this all the time. When I finish recording the show with him, because he's so cool and so smart and so interesting, I it like recharges my batteries for the week. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I'm glad this is on Tuesday because now I can get through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with like thinking about all this cool shit. And uh, I think that you showing up more often and getting mom on and just like more people like i think it just reinvigorates it more and more because i'm going to turn this zoom call off and like just have a a smile on my face because this was so cool and so interesting thank you so much uh, thank you for coming and thank you chris for setting this up but we can't leave yet because we have to figure out what we do with this neurosurgeon or brain right brain surgeon Um, Yeah. yeah 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 Yep. Yep. So what do we do? Yeah. Two minds together. Lisa and David, what do you do? I kind of said my piece. I think you have a responsibility, Chris, to talk to her. I, why I feel it's a her, I don't know, but. It is a her. Yeah. Oh, did you say, did you use the pronoun? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the it's pronoun. Gal. It's Gal. No, it's Gal. Okay. Okay. Is it, is it a they, them? Are we talking about a they, them? No, no, no. It's just a basic Latina gal, you know, North Las Vegas. No. Okay. Yeah. I think you have a responsibility. I'm sorry. I think you need to ask some questions, uh, like realistic kinds of, uh, I don't want to say burst your bubble kind of questions, but, you know, something to like help make it more real. Because I, you might be the only person that will. I don't know. What do you think, David? Do you really think I do need to do that? I mean, don't I need just to give her the grade that she deserves in my class? Why do I need to like be speaking? You're right. About you're right. It's not your responsibility ultimately. Okay. But but I think you're the guy for the job. Okay. Well, I listen to you. I do. Okay. I David, think you're the guy for the job. You know, you you know what what if love is having that kind of courage and strength. What if that's really a loving, caring person? And isn't that what we do, guys? Isn't that what we do? I think that's, yeah, that's well said. That's why we wanted to have you as a guest. You're not just a pretty face. I don't envy you. I don't. I don't like it my own self. I've got, and I don't, I know you're up against stuff too. David, what do you think? I mean, should he just give her the grade? 
<laughs> I'd give her a Rubik's cube. Ooh. Give her a Rubik's cube and I'd tell her, can you solve this in 30 minutes? Give her 30 minutes, 30 solid minutes. Oh, I like that cube. too. Oh my gosh. You've got 30 minutes, not 30 seconds. You've got 30. Mm-hmm. Let You can have the rest of the semester to solve yeah. this. Yeah. And I'm the I'm the one who fucks it up, right? I make sure it's all good and messed uh, up. And I say, fix that Rubik's Cube in 30 minutes. Okay. Well, people that can do that in very short time. I right? love you both. I want you both Rubik's in my cube. head all the time. Can mm-hmm. surgeons do that quickly, David? Yeah. Can they? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think yeah. so because they can think quick. They're they're quick. They can see the problem and they can. Oh. And I would say if you can do that, that shows you at least have the framework and the type of thinking necessary to oh, accomplish what you want. Oh, that's good, Chris. That's good. A little less painful. It is too. good. That's really. That's really good. And it's neutral, isn't it? It's it's well, it's not it's not confrontational necessarily it's kind of fun kind of fun Mm -hmm. you know a little bit confrontational i suppose but kind of fun yeah Yeah. what are you gonna do when you're digging around in somebody's medulla oblongata and you you're trying to remove a tumor and you notice oh my god there's a blood clot happening like what like this this is think on your feet like yeah this is this is rubik's cube type that's totally true i mean that's totally true and then when she comes to the realization that's when my questions come in (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and when she goes i can't solve it can't. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the intro and then you go okay so perfect perfect what if that was somebody's brain yeah in their life depended perfect. on you solving that oh my god that's great david thank you very yeah, good I'm glad, I like I'm glad you all like that all right you two thank you so much i must go to bed but oh, Chris. I think this was fantastic. And I want you to know that I'm harvesting both of your wonderful brains and emotional tones and psychologies to feed into an AI of my own, divi- you know, devising <laughs> that I think will be a real true mentor across many fields. I do have other like a tool and a tip and and stuff for next time but we want to thank you lisa thank you so much thank you guys i'm very honored i really am it's been a pleasure i'm really excited to meet you david thank you yeah the pleasure was all mine that was fantastic and i appreciate your time and expertise and i hope to see you again very soon i hope so too tell your mom hi for me okay all right i will chris we gotta do I think that if Lisa comes on more, we might have to go to full YouTube because she's so pretty. Oh hush up. We start rating. <laughs> oh now, stop. There it. is that. There yeah, is yeah, that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, I, you can't I turn, it you on can't, that. You can't turn the you can't turn the Mac off. You can't oh, turn brother. Chris's Mac off. I know. He's I gotta... know. I know. I know. Okay, you guys. Thank you so All much. Right, peace. Yeah. Be well. Be well. Be well. Get through the week. Yep. You too.